Cram's Vile Caffeinated contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Anna and I just ordered IHOP, so um, it should be delivered fairly soon. I hate you. <clears throat> so sorry. No, it's it's fine. Okay, anyways, uh, <laughs> welcome to Crime. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> sorry. Welcome. I've been listening to Wine and Crime way too much the last twenty four hours, so I was like, wait, that's not my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, welcome to Crimes Wild Caffeinated. I'm Marissa. I'm Abby. Um, and I thought that it'd be good if we probably started off with what type of coffee we're drinking before we go on our tangents of how we're doing. Oh, okay. Sure. So what are you drinking? Um, I went to good old Dunkin' Donuts this morning. Got me uh, a nice coffee. With uh, the coconut caramel flavor in it. I've been really into that lately. So hmm. That's an interesting flavor. I'm not a big fan of it for some reason. I don't know if it's the... Don't get me wrong. I love the cookie. <laughs> but I... No. I don't know. If I have to choose, I'm going to pick Thin Mint every time. Oh, okay. But today I made coffee at home. So it's just a signature breakfast blend. Nice. Um, with Dunkin' Donuts creamer in it in my uh, uh, pick your poison cup because it's one of my only cups that survived the incident. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the incident. The incident. Yes, and he's currently sitting on top of the heater just enjoying his best life. Well, good for him. He's such a cutie. I'm going to take a picture <laughs> of him. Um... So how are you, then, other than uh, IHOP coming? Good, good. Um, I saw one of my uh, friends last night who doesn't live, who's, like, from out of town, Alyssa. She was here last night. Oh, and she was? Met up. Yeah, she was visiting. Her sister had a conference here, and so she was visiting with her sister. And, oh, sorry. Marissa just sent me a picture of Leo. Um, yeah, so she was here visiting, and last night, uh, Anna and I went to go and have drinks, and it was fun. It was really nice. Yeah, I saw her Snapchat of her, like, getting ready, but I didn't know she was in New York, or I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention to all the (laughs) Snapchats. Sorry. Sorry, Alyssa. (laughs) I don't think she listens. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Well, that's good that you guys got to have drinks and stuff. That's fun. Are you feeling better? Um, a little bit. A little bit. That's good. Still have some congestion. And yesterday I kind of felt like I got hit by a truck, but I'm not feeling Ooh. that way today. Yeah. So um, that's good. And maybe I'll be all better soon. Oh, yeah, well, hopefully. Hopefully soon. I was going to say, you still sound a little nasally. Yep. Still got still got that congestion going on, so that's fun. Actually, pause while I blow my nose. 
Oh no, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I'm literally, I'm so tired of having so much snot in my body. Like, I'm so sick of it. Mm. I'm ready to be snot free. Um, yeah. Unreal. Uh, so I've been watching some like YouTube videos, and one of them was uh, Jade in Animation, uh, and she had a episode where she was doing the whole episode while she was sick. And she was saying, like, when you hit that point of your breathing and you're like, I can't remember the last time I breathed normally. Literally. And I, it's honestly at this point, I'm just angry. Like, I'm annoyed. Yeah. And then she goes, so if you aren't sick, take a second and breathe in a few times and just appreciate how clear your sinuses feel because that's not how I feel right now. Exactly. Exactly. I can relate to that so hard. <laughs> it's a good it's a really good. I really like her. I've been watching a lot of animation videos on YouTube, so Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, do I sound really quiet? My volume is like all the way down. No, you sound normal. Okay, I'm going to turn it up just a little. And with that, right. I'm going to turn you a little down cuz my ears hurt. <laughs> Sorry. I just I've been like, when I listen back to the podcast, I have to turn the volume all the way up on my headphones, so I'm, like, mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm loud enough that, um... You're heard. I'm heard, yes. Yes. I'm, I need to... I need to be heard. You need to be validated. That's right. Uh, okay, well, so, <clears throat> since you didn't ask how I was doing... <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. How has your week been, Marissa? Sorry, that's to the Gemini in me. I have to be the center of attention for a second. It's okay. We still love you. <laughs> yeah. Abby's a Taurus. I'm a Gemini. Uh, mm-hmm. So, no, it's more of the fact that I can't, like, last night I was laying in bed thinking, I have to tell Abby this in the podcast. I have to tell Abby this in the podcast. And if I don't tell Abby now, I'm going to forget it. So I went yesterday and saw Birds of Prey. Oh, nice. Um, I really, really liked it. I, really? Yeah. It was very different than Suicide Squad. Um, so, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was very female power based. And nice. so I might have sped home listening to the soundtrack, just imagining how badass of a woman I am. Hell Yeah. Um, there was one part, though, that was so funny and so relevant to my life right now, slash all of our lives, but especially because I live in New Hampshire, that, um, so what Harley Quinn will do in the movie is she'll go, like, she'll do, like, a freeze frame and do, you know, who the person is and, like... Okay, hang on, hang on, pause. The, the food is here. Margo and Goose want some. Well, yeah, I hear that. Those are the crepes. I hate you so much right now. Pancakes. No, I think they put the toppings separately. This is your pancakes. That's my pancakes? Uh Uh-huh. I got the Trace Leches pancakes. This is my pancakes. Why do we have three orders of pancakes? Two orders. 
Because it was meant for me! Yeah, you want some pancakes, Mary? Uh, I fucking do, and it's pissing me off because I just had a bagel with fucking strawberry cream cheese, and now I li- have to listen to you eating pancakes. Strawberries for the crepes. Mm-hmm. What is that? Vanilla? Or is that the trace light juice? You know I just have to cut out all this audio, right? Yeah, sorry. Hang on. And you have to eat quiet. Very quiet. So and quiet. snoring. Well, she's awake, so no snoring today. Yeah, I'm awake and hungry. She's awake and hungry. I think we're ready for you to go on about Birds of Prey. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, I hope you enjoy my Snapchat, by the way, because I've posted it everywhere now. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Listen, I ordered it like an hour and a half ago, okay? It did, it just didn't nev- never came. It was supposed to get here half an hour ago. <laughs> it bu- best be hot then, otherwise you should complain to IHOP. No, it's not hot. It's nice and cold because the universe hates me. Because this is New York. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting here in East Bumfuck, New Hampshire, where there is... I don't even know where the closest IHOP is. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm getting so angry right now. <laughs> Anyways. You so just there... want to be a part of this. I um... do. I want to be a part of this mukbang that you got going on. Sorry. Oh, I feel so FOMO. I'm so sorry. It's Okay. And Leo's just staring at me from the kitchen counter that he's sitting on top of. Um, <laughs> he's like, bitch, what are you complaining about over there? I'm a cat. I don't leave this place. Sorry. You have the easy life. Um, so, uh, Birds of Prey. And so there's this scene in Birds of Prey where Harley Quinn will be talking about a character and she'll do, like, a freeze frame, and it'll be, like, name of the person and reason for why they're pissed at her and want to kill her. hmm So she has the freeze frame for, like, the main villain. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't know which one it is for this one. It could be a whole slew of reasons. And so different things keep popping up until mm-hmm. it becomes, like, a list. And one of them is, I voted for Bernie. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm I say I busted out laughing because living in New Hampshire, like non fucking stop. Like I'm sure that it's like this across the country, but non fucking stop. Wherever you go, whatever you're watching, whatever you get an email of, or when you're on social media or something. The amount of ads that I have seen, I'm like, every time Bernie keeps popping up, I'm like, Bernie, I'm voting for you. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, I get it. Okay. Yes. But he is coming to campus on Monday, so I'm very excited. Oh, cool. That's yeah. awesome. I'm going to go try to take a picture with him. Yeah. And then hopefully one day I can say, this was the president that saved us from this nightmare that I live in. And... I'm sorry. Yes, I am a very liberal Democrat. Hate me. I mean... I don't care. Hate me? 
Yeah, hate me. I don't care. I just want the best for everybody. Mm. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I thought that that was fucking hilarious. That uh, is funny. There was a whole bunch of other things. It says, <laughs> it also said, because I have a vagina. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. Uh, mm. Like, the whole the whole movie was like, get those bitches and like just like dehumanizing women and then the women being like fuck you all woo, woo, woo. nice nice so highly recommend it and uh she did she, she did some soul searching and there was a lot more like they gave the whole backstory to harley quinn and nice anyways okay so let's talk about our stories okay so, what Kind what uh who has the most depressing story? Um I I don't know that mine's necessarily like super depressing. It's more Does someone get in yours? Yes. Okay. Mine does not, so go. Yours doesn't have a murder? Nope. Why do you keep picking non murders? Uh so the one we're recording after this. It's going to be a doozy, so that's Ooh. why. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's why. I'm trying to even it out. Okay. Well. And excuse me. I did Don't Fuck With Cats, and there was a lot of murder in that one, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just don't go for the family fucking massacres like you do. Okay, I didn't do a family massacre this time. I made sure not to do a family massacre this time. Yeah, but I've got, see, but be glad that I, I have evened out our podcast, because it would just be too depressing sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You know? Okay. Uh, okay. I'm settled in. I'm ready. Okay. So the reason why I chose mine, this one, is because there was recently a development in the case and um, some new potential evidence. So this happened, like, very, very recently. I wanted to talk a little bit about it, but this is a story that I'm 100% sure you're familiar with and that... Pretty much everybody who is a true crime fan will be familiar with, so. Okay. Um, can I, I'm going to talk about the disappearance of Kristen Smart. Ooh! Okay. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! There's, there's a new development? Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Tell me. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, all right. We'll start right at the beginning. Kristen Smart was born on February 20th, 1977 in Germany. Um, there's not a lot of information about her childhood or, like, growing up. She had a pretty normal life. Um, she had one brother and one sister. Her parents were both teachers. And when she was a kid, um, her family moved to the United States. And they moved to Stockton, California. And that's where she, um, grew up. She graduated from Lincoln High School in Stockton, California. California in June 1995, and she was accepted to the California Polytechnic State University, or uh, what do they call it, Cal Poly, or something like that. And, I have no idea. We're East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever. I feel like, unlike every other true crime podcast that seems to be uh, West Coast. Yeah, exactly. Or Wine and Crime, which is like all over the world. Yeah. Well, they're 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 special. Yeah. Uh, Cal, California Polytechnic State University is in San Luis Obispo, California. Um, 
not sure how far or how far that is from where she grew up, but I can't imagine it's super far. Um, she did live off campus. She lived in the, the dorm or off. She lived away from home. She lived in the dorms. Um, she stayed pretty close with her family. She called her parents once a week, every Sunday night. Um, and this was, you know, back before cell phones. So it was back when you had to call like with the pay phone or whatever. So she called once a week. Um, do you remember in uh in Pouch Hall there was like the the boxes of like where the cell phones used to be? Yes. Or yes. That's the, 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 phones. Phones, the I know what you mean. Yeah, but gosh, I just I can't imagine like a world where you would be sitting in the booth and then get a phone call, especially because those chairs are like the remnants of the payphones like in Magna Hall. Mm-hmm. They those were not comfortable to sit in now. So no. I can only imagine that they must have really hurt if you were sitting there for hours talking to, like, your parents or a long-distance boyfriend or something. She called her parents every week. And on May 24th, 1996, which was a Friday, she mm. called her parents. Um, they didn't answer. They weren't expecting her call. Um, Because she usually called on Sundays. So she left a message saying that she would call them back on Sunday. But she just wanted to call and share some good news that she had with them. And her mom later said she thinks that the good news was that um, she had recently taken like a biology final. And the professor had lost the final. So she was potentially going to have to take the whole final over again if her professor didn't uh, find it. That's dumb. I hate when that happens. Yeah, so um, her mom thinks that the good news was that her professor found the final and she was going to be able to, um, not. she was not going to have to retake it, which would definitely be good news. So, it's not her fault he lost it, or mm-hmm. they lost it, sorry. Yeah, exactly. So it's May 24th, it's the end of the year, the end of the school year. And it's also Memorial Day weekend. So it's a long weekend. No more classes for three days. They're going to have a, a fun weekend. So she, on the phone, uh, leaving message to her parents, she says she's going to go to a party with some friends. You know, she'll call her parents Sunday, hangs up. They never hear from her again. Um, that was the last phone call she made to them. Which I imagine as a parent looking back on that, you like really regret not being there to pick up the phone. I can only imagine that. Not that they should feel regret, but that, like, that's that's how I would feel if I was them, you know? Yeah, like, they wanted to at least, like, hear her voice, like, live one more time, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Talk to her one more time. Have one more conversation, you know? Yeah. So, that night, um, around 8 o'clock, Kristen and three of her friends leave their dorms to go to fraternity row to try to find a party. Kristen Uh, knew about a party that was going on that was like a birthday party for some guy. And she wanted to go there, but her friends did not want to go to that frat house because apparently there was reputation for those parties getting a little out of hand, a little rowdy. Yeah. Kristen was kind of down for that party, but her friends were not. 
around 8.30, they spotted a friend driving his truck. They got in with him. He drove them around Fraternity Row to kind of look for parties. They couldn't really find anything. Um, so Kristen suggested that they go to that... Um, that party. That party. And she... She really wanted to go, but her friends didn't, so the guy dropped Kristen off alone, and she went to the party by herself. Her friends said that, that she was kind of annoyed with them for not wanting to go. Um, like, she was kind of annoyed that she was going by herself, but she still really wanted to go. Yeah, so there's different witness testimonies from that night, but it's really varied because it was a college party, so everyone was drinking, and nobody really remembered exactly what was happening, but yeah. some people... Some people say that Kristen was drinking a lot, that they saw her chugging vodka. Uh, some people oh say God. that they didn't see her. Yeah. Some people say they didn't see her drinking anything at all. Some people said that she was sober the whole night. But I don't think that's true because after leaving the party, she was found, like, passed out on a lawn. So I think she had been drinking at least a little bit. Well, um, she, she could have had, like, one drink and maybe been drugged in the process. Like, we, I, I'm assuming that we don't know, but... Yeah, potentially. That's also a possibility. Because uh, a few people also said that they saw Kristen talking with another student named Paul Flores that mm. night. And Paul Flores was another student at the university. Um, but he had a reputation for being kind of a weirdo. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, so in December of 1995, he was apprehended by police trying to break into a co-ed a house that was off campus that was lived in by some students, some co-eds. And, um, Why? Well, they don't know. So they don't know if he was trying to break in or if he was... Um, if he was being like a peeping Tom or whatever, like if he was trying to look in the windows, but he yeah. was climbing up their balcony. So super fucking creepy. Please apprehend him. They think that he's, uh, he seems to be intoxicated, um, but they end up letting him go. They kind of just tell him to like, get lost, like go, go home, go away. Like, and cut the shit out. Yeah. And he leaves and they don't arrest him and they do not inform campus police about this incident oh why sorry as somebody like within a student affairs at a college like this information would be important for the safety of of students of like hey at least uh, like professional staff members having a conversation like there needs to be transparency um but that's also because of the modern time that we live in i'm sure that it wasn't that case back then yeah, not the same in the 90s. Nope. Um, <laughs> and also, I think just because, like, the students were living off campus and, like, the house was off campus, it wasn't property nope. of the college. No, they, we the know police about probably stuff just typically. Yeah. The, po- the police probably just didn't think to share that information. Mm, so... <laughs> Just putting my own two cents in there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the police don't do a great job overall in this case, um... Oh, well, yeah, probably. In March 1996, the same co-eds living in that house reported to the police that they were getting strange phone calls over the last six weeks, and they would get as many as eight phone calls a day um, as soon as they would, yeah, um, and as soon as they would answer, the person would hang up, and they were super creeped out like they could hear somebody breathing on the other line they knew it was a person calling them but they just didn't know who um they suspected that it was paul flores because he had been trying to break in to the home or 
look in through the windows and stuff. They suspected yeah. it was him, but there was no proof. Like, there was no proof. There was no evidence. And so this nothing was really done about that. Well, yeah, because you can't hold someone responsible if there's not definitive evidence that it was, in fact, them. Yeah. Around 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, we're back to May 25th. The party's starting to break up. People are leaving. A student named Cheryl Anderson and another student named Matt Manzer are leaving the party. And Cheryl asks Matt to walk her back to her dorm because she's alone at the party and she doesn't want to walk home by herself and he drove and his truck is in the same direction as her dorm building so he's like okay i'll walk you as they're walking they spot Kristen. she's passed out on a lawn and cheryl knows her but not like they weren't like friends or anything she just knows who she is so she goes over to try to help her um they pick her up they get her on her feet and they're helping her walk um because her dorm is also in the direction that they're going so they walk I was a few really steps. scared that she was just going to leave her, and I was like, oh, my God. No. Um, no. So they start walking her back in the direction of her dorm, and uh, Paul Flores kind of appears out of nowhere mm. and asks if he can help walk uh, Kristen home. And they're like, okay, whatever. They don't really think too much of it. He hangs on to Kristen, and Cheryl and Matt are walking separately. They get to Matt's truck. Matt gets in his truck and leaves. So then it's just Cheryl, Paul Flores, and Kristen Smart. Uh, And Cheryl said that while they were walking, Paul and Kristen would occasionally, like, stop. And then Paul would just say to Cheryl, oh, you can keep going. Like, you can just go. Just keep going. It was, like, trying to get her to walk ahead of them. But she would wait for them to, like, catch up. And she thought it was... She thought it was really weird that he was doing that, that he wasn't, like, that he didn't want her to walk with them for some reason. And so they get to the intersection. Like, there's an intersection that um, one direction is Cheryl's dorm hall and the other direction is Kristen's dorm hall. So they're going in opposite directions now. But Paul's dorm is right behind Kristen's dorm building. So Paul says, oh, I'm going that way. I'll just walk her. You go you go to your dorm. So Cheryl leaves. Uh. And then it's just Paul and Kristen. And Paul is the last person to see Kristen alive. That uh, makes me so sad. Yeah. There was just so many opportunities that probably could have prevented this. But like, <sighs> what am I going to do? Oh, another creepy thing is that before Cheryl left to go back to her dorm... Like before they split off in opposite directions, Paul yeah. asked Paul asked Cheryl for a good night kiss, and Ooh. Cheryl was really creeped out because she didn't know him, and it, like they weren't friends or like she didn't know him, and he just asked her for a good night kiss, and she was like no, and so then he asked for a good night hug, and she said no. <laughs> Get the fuck away yeah. from me. Just really fucking weird. Um, so, yeah, the, Cheryl says the last thing that she saw um, was Kristen, uh, walk, like, kind of stumbling back with Paul. And Paul had his arms around her. Um, Kristen is actually was actually a really tall girl. Paul was shorter than her and, like, smaller than her. Um, Kristen was six foot one. So she's kind of, like, draped, like, leaning over him and, and he's leading her back to her dorm room. And the next day 
So it's a long weekend. Kristen Smart's roommate is gone for the long weekend. So her yeah, so her roommate doesn't notice she's missing right away until she comes back on Monday. Um probably already too late. Yeah, her friends noticed that she's missing the next day. Like, they were supposed to meet up with her in, like, the dining commons or whatever. And she never shows up for for lunch. So they tell campus police that she's not there and they're concerned. Um, Campus police, though, isn't worried because it's a long weekend. So they assume Kristen just went home for the long weekend and they don't really look into it at all. Then Kristen's roommate comes home Monday and discovers she's not there. Tells campus police, campus police. Now they're a little bit more concerned because it's Monday night and she's not back. So they call Kristen's parents and they ask if like, Kristen... Like, is she there? Yeah, they ask if Kristen is with them. She says, nope. And that's kind of how they discover that she is missing. Shortly after Kristen goes missing, there are some items that are reported stolen from Cal Poly's campus uh, from that weekend. One of them is an electric golf cart and then, what? yes, a, a golf cart and two car covers from vehicles that were parked um, on campus. So, yeah, like, those are weird things to go missing. Well, if you think about it, what is what could you use a car cover? Oh to- well, I know what you can use a car cover for. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, those aren't like that looks extremely suspicious because those aren't things that are typically stolen on a college campus. Yes, so. I feel like an expert right now. <laughs> um, so the electric golf cart is would be an ideal kind of vehicle for transporting a body in the middle of the night. A getaway. Um, it would be an ideal getaway vehicle because it's it's quiet. It's electric, so it's not gonna like be rumbling or making a lot of noise and it's less noticeable and the fact of it can go in smaller spaces it can you know can drive over grass stuff like that yeah um without looking super suspicious yep so and then the obviously the thought is that the car covers could be used to wrap up the The wrap up a body potentially yes margo hi goose shout out to the mascots (laughs) so Golf carts were originally used by pizza vendors to distribute pizza. What? <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. That what? So like if people were if somebody was I guess if people were delivering pizza, they could use the golf cart to like get around the campus easier. Weird. I don't know. So our, our experience was Domino's would just slide it through the gate slots. Correct, yes. Um <laughs> Then there's also, like, former students have, have said that they would, students would steal the golf carts a lot to go yeah. joyriding. Um, it, it wasn't uncommon for those things to go missing. Yeah. yeah, and also um, people would take it off campus to go find a payphone somewhere. Like, just, it was used for different random things. Mm, sounds like fun to me. But... The night that Kristen disappeared, the cart was in a private garage, I guess. Oh, who had access to the private garage? Don't know. So, well, actually, Paul worked on campus for a department that used the golf carts. So he mm-hmm. might have been able to have access. In terms of, like, golf carts in general, usually the key to one golf cart will work for all of them. Yeah, it's not uncommon for that to be the case. Yeah, so 
it it wouldn't be impossible for him to steal that golf cart. Like it would have been, in fact, pretty easy for him to steal that golf cart. Yeah. The car covers were never recovered. They were never found. But the golf cart was found. It was returned to the campus. And some students reported that they were ordered when the golf cart was returned to campus. Students who were working for um, the maintenance and transportation department, uh, they were told to wash the golf cart. Dude, I knew that you were going to say that. I was like, no, the evidence. Yes, they had to wash the golf cart and it was returned, but they said that it appeared clean, so very strange that they were told to wash it down. Who ordered them to wash it down? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Okay, so Paul Flores was brought in for questioning because he was known to be the last person to see her alive. When they brought him in for questioning, he showed up. Uh, with a black eye. When mm. the police asked him where he got the black eye, he said that he got hurt in a pickup basketball game that he had played that weekend. Yeah, um, yes, but his friends who he played the basketball game with said, no, he showed up to the basketball game already having a black eye. Yeah. So then he changed his story and said that he had lied and that he actually got the bruise fixing his truck. Fragile masculinity strikes again. Yeah, very weird. After the end of the school year when um, everybody had gone home, police decided to search Paul Flores' dorm room and they brought in cadaver dogs. The cadaver dogs indicated on Paul's mattress, um, but they didn't have any, like, they didn't have any real evidence. They didn't have a body or anything that they could use to convict him. I'm wondering, like, what chemical compound has to be what, the dogs scented on the bed that could be explained some other way other than a body. Yeah, I don't... Because uh... I do know that they said with the Casey Anthony that the like the compounds in the trash bag that she supposedly put in the trunk could be explained for the cadaver dogs like signaling that something decomposing had been in the bot in the trunk so i'm just curious as like what was on that guy's mattress exactly (laughs) that's what i was thinking because either he's like a nasty trash person (laughs) or he did something with the dead body on his bed and that's even just fucking worse Uh, yeah that's really really super fucking creepy yeah right (laughs) so that changes the whole I don't know. That changes it for me of, like, I don't know. Very unusual. Um, so. I, I wonder if the creepy, the creepy vibe people got from him was, like, 2024 sight or, or if it was, like, he actually was creepy and everybody knew it and, like, why would you leave that girl with someone that everyone knew was creepy? I don't know. Maybe, like, I mean, it's possible that, like, Cheryl didn't know him. Like, she didn't know who he was. She didn't know that he was a fucking creep. I think that, and also, like, the incident that he was involved in was never reported to the campus police. So it wasn't known, this incident wasn't known um, by officials on the campus. So it might not have been known by most students either. Um, That doesn't mean anything, (laughs) because... 
you know, I know that, like, at our college, like, everyone knew every, like, crazy thing that ever happened. And yes, true. I'm sure on my college campus right now that everybody knows every weird detail, even though it's not necessarily shared with campus officials. Anyway, uh, Paul Flores's story was that he brought Kristen back to her dorm, that he left her at the that he saw her going um, towards her dorm room. He didn't follow, like, he didn't go with her to her actual room. He just left her in, like, the entrance of her building and left. That's the only real story. That's the only story they had to go by. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were super suspicious of him. However, they had really no evidence, nothing to go off of. So the case grew cold pretty quick. Um, they had no body. They had nothing. It remains to this day an unsolved case, but it's becoming, like, it's been investigated several times. Like, the case has been kind of reopened throughout the years. Um, at one point, I don't know exactly when this was happen- This happened, but former the former residence of Paul Flores' mother was searched at one point, and a bloody earring was found that was believed to maybe have belonged to Kristen. Again... No body, no evidence, no proof of anything. Um, but yeah, they did a bloody, find that. A bloody earring. That, yeah, I don't know. It could mean anything. It could mean nothing. Um, and unfortunately, that uh, earring mysteriously disappeared. Um, of course, it police did. had it. Police had it, and then it's mysteriously gone, and they don't have it anymore. Between 1996 and 2007, the police did a lot of different searches of different properties, um, the campus, Paul Flores' home, and were not able to come up with anything, weren't able to find anything. In 2005, the Smart Family uh, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against uh, Paul Flores, mm-hmm. and that never came to light. Like that never, they they didn't win that case because there was no body. Um, Kristen was legally declared dead in two thousand and two, but there was no, yeah, but there was no, there was no evidence that she had been murdered or or had died wrongfully or anything because there was no body. Um, so they tried to sue him for wrongful death, um, but that did not. That was not. They were not successful. He was brought in for questioning during that uh, lawsuit, and. He, he pleaded the fifth. So as we as we all know, the Fifth Amendment is uh, deny like denying to say anything that you're sworn in that you would have to say that would be incriminating. Yeah. Um, that's interesting that if he claims that he had nothing to do with it, that he would uh, plead the fifth. Maybe he did drug her that night. Maybe he did. You know, who knows? People saw him talking to her, but people also said that he was hitting on a lot of girls that night, that he was just kind of, like, hitting on everybody. He was, like, that creep at the party, and that he was even hitting on girls who were there with their boyfriends. What? Yeah, so he was just, like, a real, real fun guy. Yeah, seems like it. Yes. On September 6, 2016... Officials from the San San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office announced that they were investigating a new lead. Uh, cadaver dogs from the FBI were brought in, 
and they searched for about four days, excavated an area on the Cal Poly campus. After three days, there were items that were found at the dig sites. So they were able to find items that were near her dorm building, and they said the items were being analyzed to see whether they were connected to the case. Those items are still being investigated, and there isn't any uh, information. Yeah, there isn't any information on those specific items that they recovered um then i think it was last year uh kristen smart's mother announced that uh an fbi like an fbi agent had told her that there was about to be a new break in the case and that she should get ready because there was some new information then the fbi later said that the person who gave that information to Kristen smart's mother was a retired fbi agent and that there was no new evidence at that time however february 5th 2020 what february 5th 2020 that's my mom's birthday oh okay happy birthday joanne (laughs) authorities investigating Kristen Smart's disappearance execute search warrants at four locations in California and Washington State, including the home of Paul Flores, who is now in his 40s, because this case is from 24 years ago, so it's as old as we are. They took Paul Smart, uh, Paul, oh my gosh, Paul Flores in for questioning, and he's still living in California. He's living in San Pedro. Uh, they searched his home and they retrieved um, a laptop, a brown paper bag, and a storage bin. Uh, they were seen taking those items out of his house as well as two vehicles the police seized for potential evidence. Hmm. So, yes, interestingly enough. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, why did they go to Washington if he still lives in California? But maybe one of the vehicles was seized from there because 24 years later, you know, maybe the car is in a junk shop or something like that. Um, no, 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 they were at they were at his home. Um, no, I know, but you also said a view, you said that something had been taken from Washington. Yeah, I know, and they they don't say um, there isn't well, any there, there isn't yeah there isn't any information on why they executed the warrant in Washington, um, but I believe the the vehicles were in um, Paul Flores's home. Oh, yeah. So and they wanted to they they got warrants to search those vehicles as well. To seize and search those vehicles. I hope that they find something because 24 years later, they've got they've got to have something to. to yeah. Um, a spokesperson for the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office said that they recovered items of some items of interest and said, we will now analyze those and see how they relate to this case. We would like nothing more than to bring closure to the smart family. And Kristen smart, Kristen smarts mother has said that she's very anxious. This is really stressful time for her because she is hoping that they find new evidence in the case, but she has had her hopes gotten up before before and nothing has come of it so she's at this point like stressed out nervous frustrated and she's hoping that they can find some evidence that brings uh 
that brings justice for this family, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I closure comes with, you know, making peace with something, knowing what happens, and that must yeah. just be so hard to not know for so long. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, you're, as a family, I'm sure you're trying to get over this thing. You're trying to move past this event in yeah. the best way that you can. And you really can't do that when it's still being investigated, it's still unsolved, and you're still being contacted by media, by uh, investigators. Yeah. You know, you're, you really can't let it be in the past. It really has to stay with you every well, you day. Also- you also don't even have a body. Yeah. Like, There's... you don't have a place to console yourself. You don't have, like, something to carry around with you. Like, it, that's just heartbreaking. Yeah, there's no evidence. There's no... There's not a lot of information. Like... Yeah. No one knows at this point. Well, somebody knows. Yeah, somebody knows something, but we just... We that's don't have it. that information yet yes and that that is the the story of the disappearance of Kristen smart nice that was a good i was gonna say i was like that new evidence like that will be interesting to see if anything comes about of that i really hope it does yeah i hope so too i hope because honestly this guy's the last guy to see her alive he has a history of being creepy like towards women it kind of sounds like he knows something that he's not saying or that he's involved in more than he is will admit. Um, yeah. So hopefully they're able to find some evidence that kind of helps them answer these questions um, nice. and, and get a conviction or at least like find a body, find her body because it's, it's been so long at this point. And this guy, like Paul Flores is like got a job. He's married. He has kids. Like he's got like, I was going to ask that. He's got, like, a whole life now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, where did you get your sources from? Um, so, I got my sources from a bunch of different articles. Um, New York Times published an article about the... Um, new evidence. New evidence being retrieved. The California Register has a pretty thorough and in-depth uh, story that they've written about this whole thing mm-hmm. that is really um, used a lot. And then Wikipedia. Yeah. I just, I just, you know, wanted to, to see where you got your sauces from. Cite that baby. Yes, of course. Of course. Okay. So I'm glad that you did something relevant. Cause I also did something kind of relevant. That's been in the news more lately. Sorry. My microphone just fell. Hang on. You're fine. Okay. <clears throat> you also did a recent case? Not necessarily recent, but it's been in the news lately. Okay. Um, and uh, I told my therapist, Sarah, shout out to Sarah, that I would do this <laughs> because she suggested it. <laughs> okay. And I watched the first episode of this because it's a six-part series. Only the first one has been uh, unveiled, but the next one should be out on Monday, which is tomorrow for us. Uh, it's uh, in the past for you guys. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be doing the McDonald's Monopoly game scandal. 
Oh, I haven't heard about this. Hell yeah. Okay, so this is a... Oh, so I started... So HBO has a new um, docu-series investigating slash interviewing all the people who were involved with the McDonald's Monopoly game scandal. It's called McMillions. Ooh. Highly recommended. The first episode is great. And there's also a podcast that goes along with it um, where you're listening to the director and the producers and, um, like, information that they had to cut out. So I think most of us know um, how McDonald's Monopoly game works. I don't think it's happened for a little bit, or I'm just not paying attention. Well, if there was a scandal, then I bet they probably stopped doing it. (laughs) No, like, you remember, like, growing up and getting the little pieces. Like, it definitely happened, I would say, I'm going to look it up. One sec. It definitely happened in the past, like, uh, within the past, like, five, ten years. I I remember it, for sure. I remember commercials for it, and, yeah, little, like, peel-off, those little peel-off stickers that you could take off of your fucking McNugget box, or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like there had been one in 2019, but maybe only at specific locations. I don't know. So, anyways, that's besides the point. It's a the bold po- move of McDonald's to to do it after mm. a scandal happens. Okay, okay. Well, so here you go. Tell me. I'm excited because you have no idea. I'm so excited. So, uh, a lot of my information is from uh, Wikipedia just because of the fact that I one often have the time slash I was too excited to wait mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, to listen slash watch all of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, most of the articles that I found were about the documentary series and not about the actual crime itself. Okay. So the Monopoly game was a sales promotion that McDonald's had with permission from Hasbro. The game first ran in 1987 and has since been worldwide. Pretty much what would happen, which I also thought was interesting. So most commonly people know that you'd get little strips that you would peel off of uh, cups, fries, um, burgers, but what a... I was unaware of was that they also had these instant game pieces that were inserted inside of magazines like People Magazine. Oh, okay. I didn't know that either. Also, product purchasing wasn't necessary. You could go into a McDonald's and ask for game pieces and they could give you game pieces. Oh, okay. But the whole point of it was kind of like Monopoly. You're trying to collect um, a certain street, any big prizes. You could get, like, an instant win, which would be, like, free fries or a free drink or so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you could win $5 million. Cool. Uh, So, yeah. So a lot of people were like, hell yeah, I'm going to go. So the history of it was that the promotion had been offered in the United States, Canada, 
Australia, Austria, France, Germany, Hong Kong, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Russia, Singapore, South Africa, Spain, Switzerland, Taiwan, and the United Kingdom. Um, Argentina and Brazil were also included in 2013, and Ireland was included in 2016. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it looks like um, Best Buy had also been included in 2003 and 2000 to 2009, um, I think, for certain prizes like TVs and stuff like that, too. In 2015, the Monopoly game was replaced with the U.S. in the U.S. by Game Time Gold using an NFL theme. Uh, 2016, the Monopoly game returned, but hasn't since. But hasn't since 2016. In 2008, there was a trick treat win, which is pretty much like you peel it off and you win a prize. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so the fraud. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, in 2000, the U.S. promotion was halted after fraud was uncovered. So, in the docu-series, um, they looked at the FBI in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, it's usually perceived as, like a, like, a retirement place for the FBI because nothing really happens in Jacksonville all that much because that's, you know, a big retirement community. Yeah, I mean, most places in Florida are big retirement communities. Yeah, but that one specifically, like, it's out of the way, it's at the top, like, I have, I have had family that lives in Jacksonville and it's, like, pretty much, like, just old people who live there. Nice. (laughs) So, um, so they looked at at the FBI in there, and someone in the docu-series had had a post-it note that they had put on their computer screen that said, like, McDonald's Mega Million Fraud? question mark. And so one of the guys was, like, curious about it. Um, so the FBI kind of looked into it, and suddenly they started to see that mapping it out, the winners for the last couple of years had all been connected to each other in some way. Okay. So, like, this person's cousin's mother-in-law. So, like, the last names were different, but there was, like, a streamline. It was too close it wasn't far enough separated for it to make sense that these people like weren't frauding in some way. Mm-hmm. So the FBI is like, Hey, it's a shot in the dark. This is what it looks like, but we probably need to tell McDonald's that they potentially have a fraud. Like someone in the inside is helping people to win the game. So An they- insider at McDonald's. Yeah, pretty much. Wait, so, so did all of these people win $5 million or? Um, I think that, so the allotted net was $24 million. So all of these people won $24 million? Uh, I'll get into that because it looks okay. like it kind of, it changes. So. Okay. Let me get to you. Okay. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> So they had brought in McDonald's in, and one of the FBI guys who, like, he wanted to do, like, undercover work so bad 
decided to be flashy. I think his name's Doug. Um, he comes in to this meeting with McDonald's in a full gold tuxedo. Sure. Because, like, casual. Why not? Yeah. Um, so this guy was, like, he was definitely a character for sure, and he comes into play in this. Um, so as a part of the Monopoly, McDonald's wasn't the ones who were in charge of it. They had contracted out to uh, Simon Marketing. Okay. And Simon Marketing was really the ones who were like, hey, why don't we do this Monopoly deal and people will be running to McDonald's to try to get game pieces so that they can win this money, but they can also win other prizes and so on and so forth. So they had been hired um, to organize and promote the game. And uh, McDonald's, as well as Simon Marketing, had failed to see the flaws in the procedures. They were talking in the documentary about how... (laughs) The several of the FBI agents and a representative of the promotional team of McDonald's, they had a winner, the most recent winner of of the um, the prize uh, had called in and McDonald's was just about to run another game for 2001. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were like, okay, we have to do this undercover and let's try to find out what's going on while a game is actually happening so that we don't throw them off with them knowing that we're looking at it. McDonald's and the FBI team up and they go to see one of the winners and the winner is telling like this whole script, it sounds like, of, you know, the... The guy is telling the camera because the FBI dressed up as a camera crew to film, quote unquote, film a commercial for Monopoly to start again. They had named a production company called Shamrock Productions, which was inspired by Shamrock Shakes. Okay. Um, And the woman from McDonald's, Melissa, Uh, got into McDonald's because her dad was like a manager or something related to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was like, I'll give you football players to help promote this uh, shamrock shake if um, you give money to this um, place to feed children while they're sick in the hospital. Um, And they were like, yeah, we'll do that, but you're going to name that place Ronald McDonald, and that's how the Ronald McDonald house was started, Mm -hmm. Uh, which was in the podcast um, and not in the actual episode, but I thought that was cute. So they had this production company. They go and see this guy. They act all casual, and they're like, oh, look, we have this big check for you, which is like a fake check. Um, And so they were like, so, like, tell the camera, like, what happened? How did you get this? Where did you find the piece? And the guys tells the story of like, oh, you know, I went to the beach and I had lost my People's Magazine because it had flown away. And um, I stopped off at this store to get an inside piece, like for the People Magazine, the inside instant winners. And mm-hmm. he was like, oh, I went to the shore and I opened it up and I was like, oh, my God, like what? 
this is crazy, blah, 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 blah. So the FBI agent, Doug, who's undercover, is like, oh, well, take us to the store that you got the place from and take us to the beach that you supposedly lost your People magazine at. And so they're investigating without him knowing that they're investigating and they're getting it all on camera. Wow. Yeah. So later on, they also had time to wiretap his phone while they were there. Okay. Okay. And so the guy calls this dude that's, like, codenamed as Uncle Jerry. Like, oh, the McDonald people just came. Like, they believe the whole story, blah, 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 blah. And they're getting this all on recording, too. And they're like, holy shit. They're like, okay, so, like, this is actually happening. Like, this is fraud. And they had started to recognize that... Uncle Jerry, like, this number would start getting calls from all the winners more frequently until they won. And then there would be, like, two phone calls afterwards and then never again. Ooh. So they are like, okay, we got to get this Uncle Jerry guy. So Uncle Uncle Jerry is definitely suspicious. Yes. So, uh... Chief of Security, Jerome P. Jacobson, uh, worked JPJ. for... JPJ. JPJ. What's Sorry. JPJ? Um, John Paul Jones, bachelor oh. person. Okay, bye. I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, why are you yelling at me? I don't know what this is referenced to. <laughs> it made me really excited. Sorry. Oh, God, chill. JPJ. Okay. Okay. Shock up, Okay, anyway, keep going. Bye. So, JPJ... Worked for the Simon Marketing Company, the one that was, you know, responsible for putting together the Monopoly game. Okay. So at the Simon Marketing Company, that's where they printed out the winning pieces. Mm-hmm. Jerome was able to remove uh, the most valuable pieces, which he then passed to his associates, who then would redeem them and share the proceeds. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, Jerome's our Uncle Jerry. Um, So, it says, according to Jacobson, his disloyalty began when executives began rerunning randomized drawings to ensure high-level prizes went to areas in the United States rather than Canada. He began stealing winning game pieces after a supplier mistakenly provided him the anti- tamper seals needed to secretly make the swap oh mm-hmm. so what jacobson would do is he would sell these winning pieces for a percentage to the people in advance um initially to friends and family but extending it nationwide after um a chance meeting in atlanta airport between gennaro jerry colombo another jerry Yes. Columbo would later appear in the McDonald's commercial promoting the game. Ooh. So that was was this guy. So um, this Columbo was the one that they had been um, filming. Okay. Yeah. So Jacobson was Uncle Jerry. There happens to be another Jerry. And Jacobson gives a piece Jerry Colombo, who is the one that Shamrock Productions recorded 
for the McDonald's commercial. Okay. So going back to Uncle Jerry, the AKA Jacobson, his associates won almost all of the top prizes. This included cars and cash between the years of 1995 and 2000. So this also did not necessarily just include Monopoly because they did other games such as they did a Scrabble game once and they did, you know, a whole bunch of other games. So he did this to a lot of people. Like he was just giving out prizes pretty much um, to anyone who would give him a portion of it. So he was like the bad Oprah. Yes, you get a car. You get a car. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So the associate's nettled over 24 million dollars from mcdonald's damn so that's overall all of the winners had a combined total of 24 million yes okay so including the cars including smaller amounts Mm -hmm. so i'm pretty positive from watching the documentary that like each game would be for five million dollars okay so that is where i think that comes into it of like all of them from those, you know, five years of them running the games. Okay, sure. How many, how many winners in total were there? Um, I'm pretty sure that there was only, like, one winner for each round. And there were, oh, it, was, it was played two times a year. So only one person could win. It wasn't a case where there would be, like, Oh, multiple. no, 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 no. Okay. I mean, the cars probably were, like, there were, like, a couple cars but like yeah, yeah. But the, it, as far as the you, yeah, yeah. As far as the big prize of the money, only like one person could win that. Okay. Yeah. Which I mean, like they had said that um, the amount of people who were going and buying stuff at McDonald's went up exponentially. So they were making plenty of money back, but they they were also getting played. Yeah, by Uncle Jerry. Yeah, by Uncle him. Jerry. Can't trust Uncle Jerry. While the fraud appeared to have been perpetrated by only one key employee of the promotion company um, and not by the company's management, eight people were originally arrested, leading to a total of 21 indicted individuals. This included members of the Colombo Mafia family. Excuse me? Yes. So Uncle Jerry Colombo... Was Mafia? It looks like it. Okay. I know that. I know that that's something that's coming in the docu series is the Mafia collection, like Mafia's being included in it in the next episode. Excellent. They also are. Uh, they also interview people who had gotten arrested for the fraud, like people who had bought in the pieces. They what? Interviewed people who. Like, bought pieces to win. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, so, because of that, McDonald's and Simon Marketing no longer work together. Sure. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so, McDonald's didn't pursue any legal action when they found this out at first, or? Uh, I think that it's a little different because of the fact that... Uh, it was a federal crime that I don't think McDonald's had to. Oh, okay. Um, so the relationship between McDonald's and Simon Marketing broke down in a pair of lawsuits over breach of contract, eventually settling out of court. 
Um, oh, okay. So they did. So they so McDonald's did bring that. Uh, oh well, yeah. I thought I thought you meant the individuals, like the no. No, because you were like, oh, their relationship ended. I'm like, McDonald's was just like, okay, bye. <laughs> because no, that would be no, 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 yeah, surprising. yeah. No, I thought I thought you were like, oh, like the individual people who bought the things. I was like, well, then. No, 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 McDonald's. Oh, I, no, no, yeah, they don't work together anymore. They got, <laughs> no, 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 I, I would be surprised if McDonald's didn't try to sue the shit out of that marketing company for, for yeah. that. Well, with the claims of McDonald's being thrown out, Simon receiving 16.6 million dollars wow a constitutional violation four of those convicted for the fraud had their convictions reversed on appeal whoa Mm -hmm. so jacobson pleaded guilty to three counts of mail fraud and served three years in prison in federal court in jacksonville florida the trial began the day before september 11th oh Oh, boy. And thus, it was overshadowed in the media. Yep. Makes Makes sense. sense. Uh, In August 2018, 20th Century Fox announced plans of a film based on the Jacobson fraud directed by Ben Affleck. Okay. And it would be starring Matt Damon. Oh, so it's going to be a movie. Yes. Okay. Yes. The controversy, though, is depicted in the 2020 HBO docuseries McMillions. Mm-hmm. In 1995, St. Jude Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, received an anonymous letter postmarked Dallas, Texas, which contained a $1 million winning game piece. Although game rules prohibited the transfer of prizes, McDonald waived the rule and paid out the prize, making the final 50000 annuity payments in 2014 investigations later indicated that jacobson had admitted to sending the winning piece to the hospital well i mean that's nice some of the properties like if you got a mediterranean avenue you could win a chevrolet equinox uh xbox one bundle or you could get paid out $50 $50 in McDonald's gift cards. Ooh, in 2013, it was $1,000? $1,000 to McDonald's? Hell yeah. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, that I can feel my uh, arteries clogging. <laughs> um, Tennessee Avenue was for you and a guest to have one year of free movies. A vanilla prepaid MasterCard that had $5,000 on it. Cabela's. $2,000 gift card, Hudson Bay's, which I don't know what the fuck that is, um, but that was for Pennsylvania Avenue. $50,000 was for Boardwalk. Short line was air transit trip, different locations. So there was Del Carmen uh, for four and Riviera Maya, which I don't know where those are. Oh my God, though. Yo. 2014's prize was $5,000 shopping experience at Target. Oh, that Uh, would... I could do that in one trip. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, 2013's prize for that same block uh, for short line was um, Shell Fuel for a year. And then... So they had some good-ass prizes, and these people were like, we're going to take advantage of that. uh, Yeah. Jeremy Uh, was like, this is mine now. Yep. Waterworks was $10,000 and free parking was $100,000. And shit. then 
yeah, and then then you would get the there was one jackpot. But yeah, that's my uh, that was a suggestion from my therapist Sarah. Thanks so much. All right, thanks Sarah. That was that was awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna Very... send you um one of the pictures of the um the Monopoly peel off, which comes from Wikipedia. Okay, nice. So that you can post that online. Yes. So cool. But yeah. I, I will also post the picture of Leo sleeping on the heater because. He's so damn cute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So those are our stories. Um, what's a positive vibe for the week for you or day? Positive vibe. Um, I'm going to clean my room today. Hell yeah. And by I, I mean Anna is going to tell me how to clean and I will do it. Yeah, Abby's, uh, Abby struggles with cleaning sometimes. I'm a messy gal. Let me show you what I'm sitting in the middle of right now. Oh, God, do I want to? I'm going to send you a picture of just, like, me sitting on my floor and this is what's in front of me right now. Mm, I'm assuming a pile of clothes. Does your bed at least have sheets on them? My bed does have sheets on it because Anna does not like it when my bed does not have sheets on it. (laughs) <laughs> Abby doesn't care. I don't care. The the thing is that I've it's always been that way. I always like I roll around and my sheets come off and then I'm too lazy to put them back on. I'm shaking my head at her right now. It's she, she can't see it and you can't see fine. it. Fine, but I'm doing it. Yeah. Abby, are you kidding me? <laughs> Abby. <coughs> So this picture is not going to go on the Instagram page, but. (laughs) Oh my, you look like a fucking hoarder. I am a fucking hoarder. Have you met me? (coughs) (coughs) Abby, that's why you're fucking (coughs) sick all the time. No. When is that? Because I work with children. Bullshit. When you you were sick before you worked with children. Uh, I see a five below bag. Yep, we went to Five Below yesterday. A Bath and Body Works bag under a container of hay. Yes, the hay is for Margot and Goose. The Bath and Body Works I went Friday. Is that a Pringles container by one of your feet or yeah. boots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long is that fucking Domino's thing been on the ground? What Domino's thing? It's under the boot. The napkin? I don't know. Looks pretty, looks like it's been there a long time. Oh, God. <laughs> Abby, I love you so much, but do you, when I talk to my parents about my friends and my dad goes, oh, is Abby the one who had the messy car that I made you clean? Because <laughs> Abby, as well as Sierra and Emily and I survived, like, the great snowstorm. Abby, like, literally couldn't make it to my house because she got so sick in the middle of driving so i had i had strep throat that weekend Mm -hmm. and we were supposed to have a horror like a really bad snowstorm they were shutting down our campus and we had nowhere else to go so we went to marissa's family um because they were the closest yep and uh i got tested for strep right before i left and the test came back negative but it was too early 
like it was still early so the test that's why the test came back negative because then i spent the entire weekend in and out of a fever state and basically just sleeping in marissa's bed yeah locked in my bedroom yep and then we came back what was it five days later four days later yep and uh mary the the nurse at the health center oh i opened my mouth for half a second she's like yeah that's strep okay (laughs) But I was quarantined, so... She was quarantined, and her car was just, like, full of stuff, and my dad was like, you have to clean that car out before you drive back. And Emily had been driving the car, and some bottle slipped underneath the brake pedal, and she was like, we were all gonna die, but I didn't want to freak anybody out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That would happen to me a couple of times. Yeah, but uh, but Abby doesn't have a car anymore, so don't worry. Yep, don't have a car anymore, so now it's just my room that looks like this. <laughs> Abby, I love you so much, but girl, you need a clean. Like, I thought my life was messy, girl. It's happening today, okay? It's happening today. That's my positive vibe. Anyway, what's your positive vibe? <laughs> My positive vibe is that um, uh, for this week, I'm going to try to go see Bernie tomorrow on campus. Yep. Um, And I am going to hop in the shower and try to drive to Starbucks to get some more homework done um, today because I can't do homework in my apartment the way that I should so I I use caffeine as motivation um and uh yeah and it's snowing outside and that's not a positive but what you gonna do well I wish it was snowing here or that it would snow we can trade spaces Uh, well we can trade locations (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come. You live in my room now. Fuck no. And I live and I live with Leo. No. Okay. Mine. All right. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, feel free to send your stories to crimeswhilecaffeinated at gmail.com. Follow yep. us at uh, cra- uh, caffeinated crimes pod. Caffeinated uh, crime pod. Sorry. Caffeinated Crime Pod on, on Instagram. Instagram. Um, forget to tag us in any of your coffee posts. Hell yeah. Um, also, there will most likely be a Twitter page coming soon. Hell um, yeah. Because yeah, I was thinking about starting a Facebook fan page. Yeah, that would be also... That's also another one that's going to come soon. Um, we're we're going to expand to more social media so that we can reach more people. Yeah, and don't forget to rate and subscribe and tell your friends. And I had to literally sit down with my dad and download our podcast on his phone because he didn't know how to get the podcast on there. And my mom was like, Jesus Christ, Rich. Like, my dad was like, tell me about the each episode. And I said, why don't you just listen to it? <laughs> I was like, Dad, you drive to work every day. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, Dad, better be listening to this. 
Don't um, me for swearing. I just, my friends, uh, Sydney and EB just started listening. And uh, yes, yes. Sydney texted me the, the other day after she started listening. And she was like, I, one of my favorite things has always been listening to you yell about murder stories. I'm so excited <laughs> about this. Yes. Also, <laughs> we're working on it currently, but we might be having a new logo. Yes. Potentially, potential new logo coming soon. Stay tuned for that as well. Yes. Yes. Um, So, yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we will talk to you next week. And what's our new catchphrase? Take your meds. Don't forget to take your meds. I also (laughs) did take my meds last week. I forgot. And then I remembered I can't be a hypocrite anymore because I'm telling other people to take their meds. So take your meds. Take your meds. Take care of yourself. All right. All right. Love you. See ya. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I feel like we've just insulted everyone with that accent. (laughs) That wasn't a real accent. (laughs) I know.